Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast. It is a beautiful Monday morning. It is Labor Day. Hope everybody's having a great holiday weekend, getting out and enjoying the time with your, your family and your friends. Like I said, the weather has made a change for the better across the eastern half of the country. It's a lot more enjoyable outside, so hope everybody's getting out to do that. Dove season started this weekend in a lot of places. Hope everybody's getting out there with your, your friends and your family and making some uh, what I call feather snow. So This is kind of a new thing we're doing today. This is a rec- uh, recording this not only for you know, here on the whatever you're listening to your podcast on, but we're also doing this live on YouTube today using the stream yards we're doing a live stream so you're gonna hear some things that are different it's gonna have kind of a different flow i'm gonna be answering people's questions as they write them in uh, if you caught this and want to give me some feedback on it please go to uh, apple podcast or wherever you can make some comments and let me know how it sounds from the audio side of things it is on the podcast or whichever way you're listening to it on your podcasting software apps uh, today's topic, we are going to be talking about where you can go to get outside for you know free or cheap. Hopefully, with it being Labor Day, a lot of you are doing that already. So maybe you know I don't have to. This don't have to pertain to you because you're already enjoying it. But I'm gonna give you some more ideas of places you can go. Then coming up, uh, I'm actually giving the people here in the chat the choice of what we're going to talk about, you know, kind of briefly after that, we're going to talk, uh, gave them the choice of two topics. They're going to choose which one they want to hear. Let's see. What else we got? Um, as far as my week, uh, worked over the weekend, got to work again tonight. I recorded a podcast the other day and it was really late at night. And if anybody's watched my YouTube videos, they know how those go. It's, or live chats at night, they uh, get a little rowdy, and my podcast that I recorded was no exception to that. Um, so I decided, I was like, well, let's try this live stream thing, and if it works out good and the audio sounds good, it's something I want to share as far as the on the podcasting platform, then I'll go with this. If not, then I will do some heavy editing of language on the one that I recorded the other night because it got hot and heavy. And that's bad when it gets that hot and heavy when it's just me sitting here with a microphone. But there were some topics that came up that I was reading and they really, really got me upset. Um, But I did get to order my final parts for my project, my AR-15 that I've been waiting for a very long time to build. When I do something, I put a lot of time into the research of how what I'm going to do and what I'm going to buy. Uh, this was no exception. I didn't quite get to build the exact gun that I wanted because of the availability of parts right now. Uh, if you're trying to build an AR-15, buddy, it, it's tough right now. Everything is about three times the price that it was several months ago. I mean, just just back in March, you could buy a whole gun for less than $500. Straight off the shelf, ready to rock and roll. All you had to do was throw your optics on it, grab some mags and some ammo, and go to town. Not that way right now. There's still a few guns available on the shelf, but you're going to pay dearly for them. Guns that used to cost 
you know, around four hundred and fifty dollars, six hundred dollars, or in that four to six hundred dollar range, or now in that eight to a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand dollar range. It's is it's intense right now. Everybody's buying up, uh, mainly you know everything going on with the COVID crisis. Uh, that's kind of starting to. I don't know. I haven't watched the news in a while, so I don't know how it's going. I don't know if everybody that's if it's all gone now or if you know if it's still getting worse and worse. I have no idea. I quit watching the news about about two months ago. I, as a matter of fact, I completely cut it off. Local news and also you know national news. I got tired of not hearing the news and everybody else's damn opinions about everything and bashing everyone. So I quit watching that. So if anybody knows who's in the chat how things are going as far as the COVID goes, let me know. I'm clueless. All I know is I still got to wear a mask at work, and it sucks. Half our plants already had it, and I don't know of anybody who's out with it now. So uh, Mike says in the chat, he said they've been tearing doves up, and he said he is from Missouri, I believe. Yep, he said he's in Missouri, and they've been tearing the doves up. Congratulations, man. I'm glad you didn't do that. Hopefully, like I said, they just cut the field here uh, tomorrow morning. May sneak out there with a the shotgun right after uh, official sunrise and see what I can do. Yo, with the AR-15 build, I did decide I went, in, went ahead and went with the uh, 350 Legend as far as caliber. I'm going to... Eventually, I'm going to buy just a plain old 5.56 or 2.23 Wild upper to put on it just to have it. But I wanted something that I could trust to take deer hunting and hog hunting. So I've uh, done the research on it, and pretty much anything within 200 yards of this thing, it's going to knock them into dirt. So I went with that. I uh, went with a Palmetto State Armory lower. Uh, the hardest part was finding an upper. You could buy uppers for it. Yeah, apparently, because of the what this gun is made for, the 350 Legend itself, the cartridge is made for people in states that they've just approved to use straight straight wall cartridges. Um, used to, they could only use shotguns in some of those areas. Now they can use a gun that has a straight wall cartridge. The 450 Bushmaster was a popular one that people could use there for a while. So it, it was really big in popularity. Winchester designed the 350 Legend to be a little bit more polite gun to shoot. Um, it has a lot less recoil. It has a uh, very similar uh, ballistics to a 30-30 lever or gun. And then you have... I mean, it actually shoots pretty flat for a 35 caliber. I mean, it's very fast, and it has 20% less recoil than a 243. Uh, uh, Mike says he loves his Bushmaster. Uh, is it a 450 caliber, or is it uh, just a different one? I know Bushmaster made pretty much a bunch of different calibers, but the 450 right now in those places that are you know, where you can only use a straight wall cartridge, and they do it for safety. It's a big, huge area with a lot of flat land, a lot of people around. So you could, you know, they didn't want to give you the opportunity of, you know, shooting a flat or a, a long range rifle in a flat area. So, but they did open it up to the straight wall rifle cartridges. So I'm really hoping that 
you know, I'm going to get some performance out of this thing that I like. Like I said, it's a pretty light recoil, and it can be used on a standard AR platform as far as your bolt carrier group uh, and everything inside the gun. Only thing different you got to have, you got to have different magazines, and you got to have, of course, a 30, the barrel for it. Like I said, I haven't got it built yet, so I ain't got to shoot it. I'm still waiting on the upper to come in. I ordered the 18-inch barrel. I went with a company that I haven't heard a lot about, basically because they were the only one that had a complete ready-to-go upper in stock. I went with a company called Acme or, or Acme Manufacturing. So we're going to take a look at it and see how it goes. I'm all, Since I, there's really no reviews as far as their AR-15-based stuff goes on on YouTube, I haven't seen anything. Now, they have an AR-10, and the people who have reviewed it absolutely love the AR-10 that they make. So we will definitely be doing some video reviews here on the YouTube channel for that as I build it and shoot it and see how it does. Hopefully, it holds up to what the AR their AR ten ver or guns do. It's we'll see. Like I said, I've never built one of these guns, so I'm probably gonna run into some issues as far as jams and different trying to figure out what ammo it likes, those types of things. Just as you do with any gun when you first get it. Going to be putting a ATN style night vision scope on day and day or night vision scope on it. That way I can record some hunts with it and especially some, and like I said, with it being a day or night vision scope, I can use it for deer hunting and I can use it for hog hunting at night and hopefully get some good video to share with you guys. I know those videos are all over YouTube as far as hunting goes, but why not? If I can make, if I got the equipment and make them myself. But we're going to get into our topic for the day. We're just going to go ahead and we're going to dive through it. I'm going to try to make this short. Like I said, I've got to go to bed because i got to work tonight. Uh, we're not going to be doing a, an outhouse segment in the show today. Uh, we're also going to be skipping you know, news and stuff. I didn't have a lot of time to, time to get in there and do a lot of research and find some events coming up. And I know everything's kind of kicking back off. So I can hopefully in the next couple of weeks get you guys some tourna- uh, fishing tournament stuff coming up and some upcoming hunting news. Hopefully, we won't be long. We'll be getting a college football is already back. I'm not a big. I've always been a big college football fan, but this year I'm just not really into it. So, don't know how much of it I'm going to watch this year. Uh, Lori says, "Just join your channel. Thank you very much, Lori. I really appreciate that. Hope you enjoy the content and leave some feedback. Let me know what you want to see, what you might want to hear a podcast about, what kind of videos you'd like for me to make." Please, please share and let me know what you want to see or hear. But our topic today, we're going to be talking about, you know, especially if, say, if you live in a city or you live in the suburbs and you don't really know where to go to get out and enjoy the outdoors, except for, you know, like going to a KOA or, you know, places where you got to pay to enjoy these things. I'm going to try to give you some places here that, you know, you can go to reasonably priced uh, one thing when i recorded this topic earlier in the week one thing i did notice was i was kept saying over and over again that you got to make sure you get the right permits license and stuff like that so i'm going to cover that now a lot of these places you have to be a member uh for some of them 
So those can get pretty pricey, the ones you got to buy memberships for. Uh, a lot of them you got to pay access fees. Those are usually pretty cheap, uh, especially the ones that are you know public-style lands. Then you may have to have a hunting license to, to do some of the things you want to do there. Some states do require you to have a land use permit for public land, state lands, those types of places. So you have to look into any of these before you go, do some research, and make sure that you have you know, have all your stuff in, in place. Because if you don't, then you can be fined or even denied to come in. But the place that you want to start is the place closest to your home, usually. You got a weekend off, you want to jump right out, get your stuff together and go, take your family for a weekend vacation. Uh, the, the easiest place to go is private property. If you own some land, that's awesome. Enjoy it. Uh, get out there, do what you can on your property. If you have you know, 20 acres, man, you've got a, you've got a little gold mine. You can get out there, you can do some, if it's got some water or a pond, do some fishing. If it's got... You can do a little bit of hunting if you got if you're allowed to in that area. But don't be afraid to ask around if uh like ask your neighbors. Hey, do you have a place I can come to where I can go hunting or if I can fish in your pond? I know people are kind of people are kind of picky or weird about using their property for stuff, and I don't blame them. Liability is a huge issue in that in that of letting people get on their property. So make sure you. Ask around. You may find somebody to let you, or somebody may, you know, if you want to go hunting, they may take you. If they, you know, a lot of hunters are really big into getting kids into hunting. So if you have children who are interested, ask them if they won't take you hunting with them. Ask them if you know, you know, they may be interested in taking your you and your kids. Get them in there, or if they won't take them fishing. Try to get your kids outside and enjoying this stuff because that'll teach them that it's something they like and they can introduce people into it later on. You also have hunting clubs. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, this is kind of an area, you know, it can get very expensive. The uh, only reason I included hunting clubs into this is because for a fee, a year to fee, you have a semi-private place you can go depending on the amenities that they have or you can go and camp, uh, you can go and fish at a lot of these if they have ponds or they're on the rivers, uh, hunting or like hunting camps. But the easiest way, like say, if you just want to go hunting and, you know, you ask your buddy, he's in a hunting club, they can usually bring a guest. One guest uh, per a month or per year, they can bring a couple people for free. And hunting clubs do this to try to get more members to join. So. If you want to join one, that's fine. They can get there. Some that are pricey. There's some that are cheap. And in hunting clubs, for the most part, you get what you pay for. You know, ones with lots of land and fewer members and good amenities like a cabin or a bunkhouse, a gun range, all that stuff. You're going to pay a lot more for those usually. I know you have, you know, in South Carolina, there's a lot more private land to hunt than there is public. Uh, as far as deer hunting stuff goes until you get up to the mountains there or up into the mountains or down in the low state there's but here in the upstate there's a there's very little public land is, that you can access hunting clubs are pretty big here and then you have you know your pay to play private properties like uh hunting preserves uh, uh private gun ranges 
I know there's some places that you can go to that are private that offer like huge areas. You can go horseback riding, uh, off-roading, dirt bikes, four-wheelers, ATV trails, those types of things. And you pay to play. You go and you pay your fee, you sign a waiver saying if you do something stupid that they're not liable for it. You can go to those places and enjoy yourself and enjoy your time that way. And they're usually not too expensive. I know the the big off-road park here, I'm not going to mention her name, but, you know, it's 40 bucks, I think, for a weekend. Uh, or 40, It's either 40 bucks a day or 40 bucks for a weekend to go out there and enjoy stuff. I think, you know, on holidays it's a little bit more expensive, but and they also offer some campsites. The next place you can go is community-style properties. So let's say if you live in a subdivision or, you know, you got a, a local community with parks, like small community parks or say your HOA allows y'all to fish in your uh, fishing a pond there on the property. Some of them even offer, I know some of your bigger ones up in the mountains, you know, they have hiking trails and you know, you, if you live there, you probably not listen to the show because you got a lot more money than I do, but they're, they have hiking trails and you can take your horses. Some, some communities are built around horseback riding. So some of these communities actually offer, different things in their community. And a big thing that they do offer, though, is discounts. Some of the HOAs offer, you know, partnerships with different private places that you can go, uh, yacht or boat clubs. You can use some boat launches at different places. Uh, So look into you. Some HOAs have benefits like that you can jump into and try to use. Um, For me... Um, I'm probably not going to be caught dead living in a place that has an HOA that can tell me what I can and can't do. If I want to put a Camaro up on blocks in my front yard, I don't want somebody telling me I can't do it. So, the HOA is not for me, but if that's your situation, uh, ask or ask them what, what you can and can't do there on their properties. Uh, you never know what you might find out. Another place you can try, if you're a, let's say you're a college student, uh, depending on what college you go to, especially if you you go to a, a public uh, grant school or a, you know, like uh, University of Georgia, Clemson University, Montana State University, University of um, Missouri, these places, they have a lot of research land. And I know here in South Carolina, Clemson University, a lot of their property that they have as far as their forests that they own are in our game management program for the state. They, you can, as far as students, I know a lot of them, the students, some are students only. And if you are a student, usually if you're an out-of-state student, in most places, you can buy an in-state hunting license or a special, you know, license that's nowhere near as expensive as what an out-of-state license would be. I know, like I said, Clemson University have uh, ponds that you can fish at. They have, basically, they, have, they even have lake access there on campus for Hartwell Lake. And like I said, they also have horseback riding trails. They have all the stuff there and Clemson that the students can use for free. Uh, outsiders, uh, the public can still use them because it's still a taxpayer-based school. But you do have to pay a fee to use some of those areas that are free to the students. But if you also, if you're a student and you want to go camping and you want to experience the outdoors, 
I know a lot of these places offer, I'm trying to remember what ours was called at Montana State, but basically you can go to the place and rent outdoor equipment. You can go and rent tents, sleeping bags. You can go rent, uh, well, you know, or, yeah, like I said, tents and stuff like that. But you also, uh, kayaks, life jackets, uh, mountaineering equipment, backpacks. You could rent that stuff from the, uh, thing there at college. So looking at that is pretty, it's pretty reasonably priced to do it that way instead of, you know, say, hey, I want to try camping, I want to try backpacking. But I I don't know if I'm gonna like it. It's better to go and rent this stuff pretty cheap than it is to go and you know pay five six hundred dollars for the equipment you'll need for one weekend just to find out you're not gonna like it. Then also look into if you like to fish. I know a lot of colleges uh, here and out west like to do research uh, you know, on fish. They want to do you know studies on numbers and things like that. So you can jump in to some research opportunities and go fishing. Uh, just And they want you to write down, you know, what you catch, how big, and take some stats and a sample. Uh, they Some of them may even pay you to join these things. They may pay you a little cash on the side to cover your gas expenses and your bait. So look into some of the research opportunities. Uh, check your uh, natural resources division there at your school, uh, whatever, the agricultural uh, college there, if you have one. Wildlife biology, those those types of departments in your college, and they'll have some information on that. The next place you can go is you know counties, uh, county parks, city parks. Some of them offer some fishing opportunities. Not a whole lot in the way of hunting. Usually, they have camping, hiking, those types of things. Some offer, like I said, offer some fishing in ponds and have some piers that you can fish off of. And they're usually free. I haven't into a city or county park that you have to pay to go to. All right, Mike, thank you very much for coming by today. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, come back and listen to the rest of it or check out the podcast on however, whichever way you want to listen to podcasts. And have a good day. Hope you enjoy your Labor Day. And it goes for everybody. The next one to do is state parks. Uh, that's usually the next one. That's usually the most popular as far as around here goes. But, you know, state parks, they usually do charge a fee to use for basically anything that they have. Their boat ramps, uh, anything like that. Boat ramps, all kinds of stuff. They usually have uh, playgrounds, camping. They have camper hookups. They have water to some of these places. They charge you to use these, and you get... Sometimes you gotta like book these places months in advance because they fill up so fast. Uh, I know some here have uh, give you opportunity. You can a lot of me fish on or fish hunt. They have ATV trails that are public horse trails. Again, all that stuff uh, you can do at the state parks, but they do charge a, a fee. And like I said earlier, you may even have to have a permit. The biggest one, and this covers a lot, are federal lands. So they can be, it can be tricky for the different permits, where you can go, what you can do with these places. All of them you can't, some you can't hike at, but you can fish at. Some you can fish, but you can't hunt. Some you can hunt, but you can't ride ATVs. So you really have to get in there and do your research of where you're going and what you're going to do there and see if they allow it. 
one that's probably the one of the most lesser known across the country are your uh, Army Corps of Engineers parks. Especially here in the South, they own a ton of land around lakes, rivers, things like that that they help build. You know, like Lake Hartwell here, Lake Russell, Clarks Hill. Those lakes are uh, Corps of Engineers lakes. Uh, some have a cool campgrounds, but usually it's kind of more primitive camping. They also own the islands in some of these lakes that you can go and access. You can actually hunt these islands. You can camp on them. Those types of things. Like, again, check your laws and regulations. But a lot of it, I mean, most of them do offer boat ramps, picnic areas, and some playgrounds. They're normally free to use. Some of your ones that have your more, you know, you know, fancier i guess you would say amenities they do charge a very low fee to use uh, a lot of the larger areas they have late they have a strip of land all the way around the lake it's called core property and in the bigger core areas like a, a part that they have on a boat ramp some of those you can bow hunt uh, some you can even rifle hunt in like i said just check their website they have them all listed there they'll tell you which ones are open which ramps are open what the water level is for that lake, all the you know stuff you would need to plan a fishing trip. They have all that on their website for each one. They now also tell you if you can hunt there or not, and what else is allowed there, hiking, whatever. So that's usually the most lesser known one, as far as I found, that people didn't know you could use. The next is National Forest Land. Uh, National Forest Lands offer hunting, fishing, camping, again, all of it. And most of your National Forest Land... You, if you want to do something on you can find somewhere to do it, no matter what it is you want to do. And most of the time, the National Forest Land is free. You'll run into some park rangers, you know, your, whatever you call your DNR, all that stuff. Whatever's there, you'll see those guys. So you do have some protection. Like at the uh, Corps of Engineers, I forgot to mention, they usually have a gate. And they usually have a park ranger there or a gatekeeper, somebody who works for the Corps of Engineers. Most time it's volunteers. At least there's somebody there to kind of keep an eye on things while you're out fishing. National Forest Land, you're going to run into park rangers. You're going to run into uh, federal, some federal wildlife agencies, those types of things. So you got some people around. And like I said, if you want to hunt there on these national, whatever state that you're in, you're going to have to buy a hunting license because usually they have an agreement with that state to let them regulate the laws as far as wildlife goes on those national forest lands. See, the Bureau of Land Management, or the BLM, that's another one that's not very big in the east, but out west, it's huge. Montana, Colorado, Utah, all those places, the Bureau of Land Management owns probably hundreds of thousands of acres, if not millions. That is mostly open to use by the public. I mean, that's a good option to look into. Sometimes it's very small Small chunks of land, some of it's inaccessible. Uh, so you got to kind of pick and choose which ones you're going to go to, but most of it is open to public use. So you got to know what you're, where you're going and what you can do there. I don't think uh, a lot of these places don't allow ATVs to be used. They have very limited trails. So make sure that if you're going to take your ATV with you, that you can actually use it there. You know, ATVs are kind of a, Kind of a sticky thing. I know a lot of hunters like to use them to get game in and out of the woods, but then again, you have people who are going to take advantage of that and tear a lot of stuff up 
So a lot of these, especially these national federal pro- uh, parks and lands and stuff, they don't allow ATVs except for on open trails. Then the next one you have are some, you know, you have some wildlife refuges, some study areas. Again, you got to be picky about, or pick, they're picky about what you can and can't do, and you got to research that and see if you can go. These places are very good places. Like if you just want to do wildlife photography, wildlife viewing, uh, bird watching, animal watching, those these are some very good places to go because they're specifically designed for wildlife to you know be you know to, to flourish there. So make some very good uh, photo opportunities and also some you know just wildlife watching, being a fly on the wall to nature. Some do allow you to, you know, some do allow hunting and fishing. Uh, most of them don't allow ATV use, like I said a minute ago. So, like I said, they'll have the rules and regulations. I say, Google it. Wherever you want to go check out, Google it, see what you can and can't do there. And the next is the big one, the National Park Service. All your big parts, Yellowstone, all those big parts, like that, Glacier, Grand Tetons, all those places are national parks. Some of the most beautiful Places on this planet are in the uh, national parks and our national park system for the United States. Most of the time, like I said, there's absolutely no hunting allowed. Some offer some fishing, I believe, some fly fishing. I know is popular in some of those places, or at least right outside of them. I know Yellowstone offers you know, hiking and snowmobiling in some places, but it's it's uh, I've been to Yellowstone twice, man. It is. It's an amazing place. I don't think, like I said, there's nowhere else like it on this planet. Yellowstone is a one of a kind place. Glaciers, same way. Glaciers, more to me, more of a scenic park. It's some of the most beautiful mountains and lakes you'll ever see. Yellowstone is also beautiful, lots of scenery, but it seemed to be more opportunity to view wildlife at glaciers. Not as heavily wooded, I would say, as. It's more open country than, say, Glacier. Glacier's heavily wooded, steep mountains, uh, those types of places. So kind of, I'm trying not to narrow it down to two places, but your national parks are some amazing places to go just to get outside. Camping there, I camped at Glacier. It was some of the most amazing camping I've ever done. The water there is so cold, but it's so, so beautiful. You can look down and... Just see 50, 60 feet down. It looks like just crystal clear water. It's amazing. If you ever get the chance to go to those two parks, that's the two that I've been to, and I recommend them very, very highly. Uh, your next one, this is probably one of the, the coolest opportunities out there. This is your wilderness areas. And the biggest one that I know of that a lot of people talk about is the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. They call it the Bob, but these are huge, huge areas of untamed wilderness. Very few roads, uh, mostly it's trailheads you go to, you stop, and you can go in from there. They're basically unmanned. Like I said, there's some trails through these things that people go in, and they build for people to walk on, little wooden bridges, things like that. But other than that, it's completely wild. It is, it's a, it's a truly just a, experience like no other it's basically you in nature once you go in these places is that's it you might see and you know you go in 
up to five miles into these places, you're going to see some other people. But if you really want to go in there and you want to hike in there 50, 60 miles, in some of these places you can. To Bob, you can definitely do that. And it's just going to be you. You and whoever you're with and the grizzlies, the deer, the elk. It's just going to be y'all. And you're pretty much on your own at that point. So if you're going to go to these places and stay there, hike in there, you better be prepared. Bring bear spray. If you can, if it's legal there, bring a, bring a firearm. You know, you, you can, most of these are pretty, are very, uh, your wilderness areas, most of them are open to uh, horseback riding. You can bring horses in there and pack in with your horses. Uh, you take, I'm not sure about packing in with goats. Um, I've heard a lot of people like to do that in Alaska using pack goats. I don't know if that's a necessarily a great idea around some of these places, especially where there's bear, but I don't know. Goats make a lot of noise and lots of noise brings in predators. So I'm not sure exactly how that would work out, but yep, you can pack in with animals. Uh, some, I believe there's some areas you can go with an ATV, but not very many. But make sure one thing you do bring is a, a a means of communication to these places. Make sure you bring a sat phone or a GPS emergency device. Uh, I can't remember what the one was called. Spot, I think was what it was called. And basically, you get in there, something happens, you can hit an alarm on here, sends a message out with your GPS location, send help, and that way you can get help. Satellite phone. You may run into a you know park ranger kind of person or a wildlife officer. Something like that, but make sure you have a means of communication. Really, if you go any of these places that are remote, even your islands on the Corps of Engineer, you're going to take your boat out there and make sure you have a radio on your boat, or you have a cell phone, something like that, you can get in touch with somebody. Your national parks, all these places usually have pretty good cell phone service, except for Glacier. When I was there, there was none. Uh, but again, like I said, with the, if you're going to use any of these public areas that are owned by you know, wildlife places like that, make sure that you definitely check your laws and regulations. Again, I can't emphasize that enough. Make sure, because I don't want you to get out there and you know expect to get out there for a very affordable price. Get out there and accidentally be somewhere doing something you're not supposed to, and you get a huge fine, and it just ruins everything for you. Maybe ruin your ideas on using these lands and hunting and fishing in general. Don't do that. Just make sure you're, you make sure you have your proper licensing to go use these places. Uh, I got uh, one more thing to talk about. I know our state offers them here in South Carolina that you may want to take advantage of, especially for people who have kids or free hunting and fishing days. Now, here in South Carolina, we have youth hunt days where you, someone who's under the age of what it would be to, you know, own a hunting license or to have to get a hunting license or hunter's ed, you can take them hunting or hunting about a week early or a week after everybody else is out of the woods. So you can take your kids and they have a better chance of being successful. You don't have to worry about 9,000 knuckleheads in the woods with you when you take your kids out there and they can enjoy themselves. You spend some time with them. We also offer free fishing days. So anybody who doesn't have a fishing license or can't afford one, which they're pretty cheap here, but I know there's still people out there who can't afford them. 
or maybe even don't want to buy them, but we do have free fishing days here. We just have, I think, three a year that you can go and fish for free without having to pay for that. Another thing you may want to look into, let's say, if you do have a hunting license wherever you're at, and you want to get to some of these more or more prosperous kind of places, go more seclusive hunting areas that don't allow public hunting all year. You can actually do a draw hunt to get into some of these places. You pay and a little bit of extra fee to put in for a drawing. See if you can go, and they'll draw your name out of a hat, and you can go hunt these places. And some of them you get your money back, you don't get chosen. But if you don't, it goes to whatever department it does. It pays them, helps them raise money for whatever the projects they want to have. But that covers that. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me. You have any more places that you may you know, have any more ideas of places that people can go, let me know. Shoot me an email. It's uh, bottomdollaroutdoors at gmail.com. Also, uh, look me up on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash bottomdollaroutdoors. Same as Instagram, uh, bottomdollaroutdoorspodcast. And Twitter, my handle on there is uh, catfishbrad864. Look me up on that stuff. And of course, here on YouTube, you have youtube.com slash bottom dollar outdoors. You got a bunch of stuff there and everything kind of culminates on the website. I try to share everything I do on the podcast and on YouTube on the website at bottomdollaroutdoors.com. So guys, I only have one person still watching on YouTube. I guess everybody's getting ready to go do what they need to do today. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show on that. So guys, I hope you really enjoy your day. It's Labor Day weekend. Get out there with your families. Stop listening to podcasts for a day, unless it's mine. Get out there and enjoy your week. Hope everybody has a wonderful week. I'll talk to you hopefully next Monday. So with that being said, God bless each and every one of y'all. God bless the USA. Have a wonderful day. Okay, for everybody sticking around for just a second, I want to play you guys a promo for a show of some guys, other people here in South Carolina. So if you're in, I meant to do this during the show, and I kind of got lost my train of thought there. But check these guys out. If you're into paranormal uh, stuff, uh, cryptids, true crime, those types of things, these guys are based here in South Carolina. If you're, it is kind of, there is some language in the show and some kind of, um, off-color humor so if you're into that kind of stuff uh, nick and Brittany have a great show over at the backwoods Barcast. they're taking a summertime hiatus right now spending time with their kids they'll hopefully be back this fall making new shows but i'd like to play their show promo real quick 
So enjoy. It's really good. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty, how about a craft beer? Oh yeah, we got plenty of crap beer. Which one you want? No, not crap beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick and Brittany and the janitor Stephen as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. All right, guys. Remember, go check them out. Um, it's a wonderful show. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for them to come out with some new episodes. I've pretty much listened to their whole library. I know twice now. It's hilarious. Their their banner's awesome. They have their family comes in there and enjoys uh, doing shows with them. So, guys, check out Nick and Brittany at the Backwoods Barcast. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed the show today. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>